Behind every great artist, there's a great band who help take the music from the studio to the stage. In each episode, I talk with some of the most accomplished and sought-after musicians in the world, delving into the details of their backgrounds, their stories, and their journeys, doing away with the fiction, and getting into the facts. It's not about the hype. It's not about the product. It's about the players. Welcome to the first episode of the About the Players podcast. Back in January, I caught up with Niji Adelaide, an amazing pianist and composer. He was playing with Stormzy on his first US TV performance on the Jimmy Fallon show. And we managed to catch up at the end of a rehearsal. Check it out. Okay, first and foremost, we are at SIR Studios in New York. In New York. In, in New York City. In New York City right now. <laughs> yeah, we just finished rehearsing and um yeah, I thought this would be a great time to kind of have this little talk, chop so, it up with you. Yes, indeed. So, um, for the minute, please introduce yourself. I want you to say your name because I've ambassadorizing <laughs> your name <laughs> for a couple of days. So, say for your name. Listening, he's been butchering my name. I really have. Until <laughs> I corrected him the other day. Yeah, so um, if you could say, sure. state so, your name. My name is Niji Adelaia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a Londoner, currently back and forth between London and New York. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure we'll get into that later. But Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm an artist, stroke musician, stroke producer, whatever you want to throw in that, but just an all-round good guy, I think. Nice. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> well, I hope so, anyway. Well, the funny thing is, is we've um, chopped it up and met on a so couple of many, occasions. Yeah, so many occasions. Yeah, different yeah. occasions. Different Usually occasions. in New York, never in London. Yep, yep, yep. And this is our first time getting a chance to work together yeah, and do something yeah, and kind yeah. of vibe out. And even, yeah. even it's interesting, you know, because um, this particular session we're doing... Um, you got mentioned, and I was like, "Oh shit, yeah, of course." Yeah. He, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> He'd be great. You know what I'm saying? Right, but it's right. like um, I didn't really know too much about you, other than you being a super nice guy and everybody right, saying right. he's a dope dude and whatever. <laughs> but I hadn't really known too much about you as a musician, right, right. and as an artist. Sure. So um, yeah, I'd love to kind of get to know more about you sure, and sure. about that. So sure. yeah, just break it. first and foremost, Niji Adelaide, right? There you go. Niji Adelaide. See, when you can say it right, you feel good, right? <laughs> <laughs> you I roll love up the top. Yeah, yeah Niji Adelaide. That's like it's a different yeah. type of confidence when yeah, you know someone's yeah. name right. You say it a lot. Yeah, yeah. Where, where's that name from? Nigeria. Nigeria. Yeah, okay. It's a Nigerian name. Uh-huh. Um my parents are both Yoruba. My mum was born in the UK. Uh-huh. Went uh-huh. back to Nigeria. Met uh-huh. my dad. My dad was in Nigeria. Then my dad came to the UK. My mum went over. Uh-huh. And Bob's your uncle. Three kids later. Marriage. Ah, <laughs> nice, 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 nice. All right. So listen, man. So just to kind of get this started, tell me a little bit about about your journey, man. Tell sure. me how you started playing, how you got into music. Sure, you sure. Um, so I'm, um, I'm very fortunate because I come from a musical family. My mm-hmm. dad plays five instruments. He plays the drums, the guitar, the piano, the accordion, and the saxophone. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And so when he was younger, he, him and my mom and my uncle, who plays trumpet, um, oh, wow. and some other uncles in the church, they had a band called Gospel Symbols. Okay. <laughs> and we used to travel around with them um, and, and, and sit in the pews while they played and uh-huh. help them set up and pack down. Wow. Wow. Um, so yeah, music's always been a part of my life through my family, and mm-hmm. then and was that okay? So did they do that um, professionally, or was no, it church no, okay. yeah, no? So it was very. They were always involved in the church, mm-hmm. but they were always involved in the church in a music capacity, right? And right. then they just used that as like a like a, a way to kind of those tools to use, go outside of the church and kind of play and, and play out. Sure. Um, but they they had regular jobs. Like my dad worked with government, and my mom mm-hmm. runs a nursery. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was it was, it was an interesting journey back then, that's for sure. But my dad made us all learn an instrument. Right. And we all started on the drums and then kind of gravitated. And I say all me and my two brothers. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And oh, so you play drums too? I play drums shockingly terrib- <laughs> terrible now though. 
Hey, I feel like drums is like the first instrument everybody plays, though. Definitely. I started playing drums when I was a kid, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, people don't even know that, but like... It's because you can see it and just like hit stuff yeah. and just like trying to make it make sense. Yeah, you, yeah. You can kind of figure it out on your own, but yeah. with like a piano, a sax, or a stringed instrument is... Yeah. yeah. And it's an access thing, right? Drums is usually very accessible in a church. Yes. So... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you first started playing drums. First how, I, how old? At what age? Uh, I probably was playing drums from about nine. Okay, okay. And then uh, I I got into my, when I turned about 11 or 12, mm -hmm. um, I picked up the piano. Um, mm -hmm. and, and the way I picked it up was interesting because my dad plays piano, so he used to play in a church service. Mm -hmm. uh, and what he would do is he would leave like the last... Um, the last part of the last song where you get the call to call to action or whatever, and he let me go up and play these four chords uh -huh, uh -huh. that I wrote. That's the only four chords I knew. And then there was one time my brother was like, "Yo, bruv, like you play the same fucking chords. He said, <laughs> he said, you play the same chord. Like can you switch it up." And then um, I, in school, there was a guy who used to sneak off and get these piano lessons. He was the only one in the music class, halfway through the music class, Ricky Fleming. He used to sneak off, get these piano lessons from someone. And then one wow. day I was just like, after the motivation of my brother grilling me, I was like, I'm coming to a <laughs> lesson. Um, and then the piano just became my, my main instrument. And wow. Then moved on to organ. Uh -huh. um, and then from there, this was about 11 or 12, uh, I then got introduced to jazz because... Uh, the teacher that was teaching me, he was part of a community music service mm -hmm. in, in my in in Barking in East London, and he was like, "You you have a great ear. You should join these join these bands." Mm -hmm. um, and so that's where it kind of kicked off um, the, the jazz world, and then introduced to the choir later on LCGC. And right. So you so you were very you grew up kind of learning jazz as a jazz player. Yeah. So okay. my my and it's interesting. Like I, my earliest introduction to jazz really was through a gospel album a kirk franklin album mm -hmm. i think it was my life is in his hand and there was a there was a couple songs in there where um i think it was sean martin playing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um they let him do some solos and that I, it always gravitated towards me and then when i got introduced to this school uh this music school in my area mm -hmm. they put me into all of the jazz classics and then i had in i was in like three or four jazz bands and I had my first band there wow and, um so it really it, that was my really my first introduction really and then gospel kind of came after oh that's interesting yeah. so did you have any particular jazz musicians or jazz pianists that influenced you in particular oh 100% I mean all time Oscar Peterson okay and that sounds okay. like really cliche it's like oh Oscar Peterson everyone says that but now literally I was like 14, 15 mm -hmm. and would fall asleep um, listening to his stuff wow and like my brothers will think I'm weird because I'm there like <laughs> you can't see me because it's a podcast like but I'm yeah. shaking my head just like this is like going, going to sleep before school you know everyone's yeah, listening yeah. to something else but uh, that was my f earliest introduction and then uh, gospel was then just got introduced maybe a couple years after uh -huh, yeah. uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, and then from there on I, at 14 I <laughs> I internship with the London Community Gospel Choir as a as a keyboardist, as a keyboard, well, Why? as an office clerk. Okay, and I, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> wow. So, um, I they came to perform at my church convention, mm -hmm. and it was full. I was fourteen. I was in year nine, and mm -hmm. I knew the next year I had to do work experience in year ten. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And I knew I wanted to do it with them, so I called up their office uh -huh. and was like, "I would love to do work experience with you." Uh -huh. Um, and then they was like, "Okay, cool, come down." I came down, spent two weeks there, and I was like, I play an instrument. Like, I play drums then, because that was like my heavy. I was like, I thought I was a drummer. Keyboards, right, I was right. learning, but I was like, I'm a sick drummer, sick drummer. <laughs> <laughs> so after doing my work there in the office, I'll go to their rehearsals on Wednesday nights. Uh -huh. And then uh, I, on their rehearsals, I'll try and jump on kit, and like they just weren't really feeling me on kit. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're, yeah, that's nice. Thank you. Key, you but, know when um... you get that look back? It's like, <laughs> yo. Yeah. <laughs> That kind of patronizing. Yeah, 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 it's cute. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks for helping I, out. I was 14 at the time, still in school, in my school uniform. Oh, wow. Um, and then there was this, I was just like, well, I kind of play piano too. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I jumped on the piano and they were just like, man, you're so way ahead of your years. Um, but I didn't know because I just used to play with my school band mm -hmm. and a little bit at church. I wasn't in communication with anyone in the industry, so I didn't know I have a barometer of how good I was for my age or whatever. That's really interesting though. I think that, that like, I think particularly like when you kind of like are influenced by and like a lot of amazing musicians, people like Oscar Peterson mm. or Miles Davis or whatever, it's like you in your own head 
That's what you think is dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, anything yeah, totally. below that is just average. Because like I can relate to that. Because when I was learning music, uh-huh. um, and when I was first coming up, it was like you know the, I always started playing outside from other people telling me I was good uh, because I would be like, well, no, nah. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'd be like, no, I'm <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, I'm no Herbie Hancock. I'm no McCoy Tyner. <laughs> right. And they would come to your house and listen to you doing. Be like, oh my god, you are crazy. I'm like, oh, who knew? That is exactly it. That yeah. is. I I didn't have a massive amount of keyboard players. I didn't yes. grow up around. It was my dad, pretty much, and my piano teacher. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have... And it wasn't really YouTube at that time. YouTube came a little bit after. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't until I got exposed around Io. Io, Yurinde, Basil Mead, mm-hmm. Howard Francis, mm-hmm. uh, and other musicians like Leon Mead and Michael uh-huh. Brown. They literally just, like, took me under their wing Amazing. as a 14, 15-year-old. Great musicians. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So did you... So you mentioned the piano teacher. So were you getting lessons? I was, yeah. I got... So I did all weekly, the Weekly, monthly, uh, great... Uh, like, weekly. Okay, okay. So at the height of it, uh, uh, between, like, 14 to 16, mm-hmm. I was pretty much... I would have... I would go to band practice mm-hmm. uh, probably three nights after school. Mm-hmm. Then i go to LC's rehearsal mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And then I would go and follow LC, GC's concerts on the weekend uh-huh, and uh-huh. 14 15 my first festival was at glastonbury as a 15 year old when they played wow. <laughs> which i think was the acoustic stage that i played at the time but wow um that was like my first festival and it was and i spent it because it's on my birthday june 29th so but did you do like grades and all that kind i did of the thing? grades did so you, i did the grades yeah wow, okay um because my teacher was like you, I know you can fly with jazz and I know you, yeah. but I want you to get the dexterity in your fingers yes, from classical. Yes. And uh, I thank him every day because it allows me to do so much. In, yeah, in a lot of people places. don't understand about them handing studies and them no, grades. No, honestly, they <laughs> don't. They don't. And they like, don't. And it just allowed me to really just get up and down that keyboard really yeah, quickly, yeah, really yeah. accurately. Um, and just be able to just be very versatile in my approach so yes okay so i'm i'm picturing you now like a teenager i'm imagining teenager yeah leaving school 16 and obviously you've been learning through teachers Mm -hmm. you've been learning through mentors you're learning through peers you're kind of immersed in music and the music scene the music industry yeah so what do you what makes you like what's your next decision what do you decide to do that's a very good question man so there's there's always been this duality of uh business stroke finance and music mm-hmm. i was very naughty at school but very academic as well right right um and i love studying i love economics i love maths i've got a, mm-hmm. like i'm a numbers guy mm-hmm. so at 16 college i took on five a levels wow uh, maths wow. further maths economics media and music mm-hmm. uh and i just was just trying to do that mm-hmm. and then also play in the evenings mm-hmm. and 16, 17, while I was at college, I had to make a decision whether I was going to go to music college, mm-hmm. which my friend, my friends did, uh, or go to university, which all my friends at college were going to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and ultimately, I chose university because I know that I knew that, like, I, I felt like I didn't need to study music to do it. Right, right. Especially being seeing so many people working that were like my mentors, 10 years older than me, and mm-hmm. they never studied music whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to University of Can- Kent in Canterbury mm-hmm. and studied financial economics with econometrics. Oh, wow. Um, so you know about money, huh? Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's why you can't play me, yeah. son. You can't play me <laughs> You were like, wait a minute. Just so you know, I have a degree in you finance. You play and, uh, me. Yeah. I'm just like, wait a second. This, yeah. this don't add up. Yeah, yeah, you can't play me. And I've been like that since I was 14 when I started getting paid for a play. But, Great. Um so yeah, so that's we're at sixteen now, start of university. Eighteen now, start yeah. of university. Mm-hmm. Do three years at university, mm-hmm. uh, and then I worked in Bloomberg for two and a half years. Uh, wow! In finance, yeah. Wow! So you actually had a regular job. I had a regular. I had a regular paying ass job. Yeah. Wow! <laughs> wow! Wow! Okay. Yeah. And how did you find? Did you enjoy that? Did, was it- I loved it because it surrounded me with people that made me see. Uh, life in a different way mm. you'll get you're looking at people that are earning upwards from you know anything from 50 to you know six figures seven absolutely figures. absolutely so and with that comes different conversations absolutely uh different different insights and where i'm from there's certain conversations that we won't have like investments and absolutely um you know you know what's the, what's a hot ipo and stuff like that mm-hmm. and what to investing or so it really gave me exposure. But at the same time, while I was enjoying it in those two years, I was seeing like all of my friends that I'd made now in the music industry. Mm-hmm. So we're talking like, 
Gavin Powell, we're talking like right. Johnny, they're like the height of Emily Sunday and Io, uh, yeah. and everyone's just on the road, they're just like looking like they're having an absolute blast. <laughs> looking like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, operative word, operative yeah. word. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, man, I have these talents and I know I could be doing more. Mm. And then toppled uh, on top of that, I just kind of one day looked in the office. Uh, around the office I was just like I don't want to be you in 10 years I don't mm. want to be you in 5 mm, I don't want to mm. be you in 15 so and at that point I was getting paid so much that if I didn't break then I would have been trapped that's interesting um, that's interesting I would have been there and because you get too comfortable and you just you would no longer take risks I think that it's like from a perspective point of view you know it's like people think about like w when you leave your house to do whatever job it is that you do, mm. that's what you're spending your life doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's, people don't really fully understand that all the time. And it's like, I think they're having the perspective of actually working a regular job yeah. and actually working as a musician is yeah. really interesting because I imagine your reasonings for wanting to work and be in music might differ from somebody that's just always done it. Oh, because you've totally. actually <laughs> have an understanding of what it's like to wake up, turn up on time at nine o'clock yep, and yep, whatever and get yep. your check. But it's not, always just about the money and the paycheck. No, it's also about no. your kind of job satisfaction, yeah. how you feel about your life and yeah. what you do and also what you're create creatively. Yeah. You know I mean, what you're kind of bringing to the table as well, I guess. That's know? that's an interesting point because I feel like a lot of people don't consciously make that effort yeah, or that, yeah. that decision. It's yeah. almost like they just kind of either accept the circumstances mm. or just kind of wake up and just see how life takes them. Yeah. And I told myself that in my 20s, I didn't want to spend my 20s and not have taken any big risks. I think... If I look back, and I, I don't want to use 20s as just a specific point, but for me, if I'd look back at 35, 40 and I had taken no risks and just had like a really kind of comfortable, there's no joy in that. There's, yeah, there's really yeah. no joy in that. Well, and I think, you know, I think that's the time to do it. I think exactly. obviously, I think when you are that age, you kind of want everything and you want it right now. now and yeah. you expect it to. <laughs> but I think so that true. over time, I think you start to understand that, like, you know, <laughs> Before you have too many responsibilities, be it like yeah. children, yeah. family, yeah. you know, whatever, yeah. mortgages, that's the time to experiment. That, that, that's that's the time to try things. That that's the time, the time to kind of like see, you know, just to just to try different things and see how mm -hmm. you feel about it and mm -hmm. take those risks. And, mm -hmm. you know, like you said, the good, I guess the beauty for somebody like you is like actually having a degree and having that background. You always know, well, you know what? I could do that. Yeah, do you yeah, know what I mean? yeah. I have. Yeah. I know what it means to actually do that. Yeah, so that's yeah. that's that's dope. And it's important to 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 also realize like the skill sets that you have. Like I have a thing where I don't ever operate outside the my circle of competence. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so anything I put myself in, I know that I can achieve it and do it mm -hmm, with mm -hmm. all of my heart. And I I trust my gut so much, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I feel like that's helped me a lot. And it's allowed me to make really risky decisions just knowing that I know how much I've invested in myself, my ability. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, and that has just really informed most of my decisions. So what I've got into now is like every two years, I kind of switch up life in some massive way. So where we left off was that in Bloomberg, when I looked around, I didn't like anyone that I liked or I didn't look like, I didn't like the look, I didn't want to look like anyone in a few years ahead than anyone in the office. Mm. I decided to leave. Mm -hmm. um, and But before I did, I wrote an album Oh yeah, I wrote my first album, uh, "Better Days Ahead." Wow. Um, and so, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Break down what that means, because like people, some people just think like, "Oh yeah, you know, I was just working in office, and then, and then I just wrote an album, and there it was." <laughs> you know what's funny? I didn't tell no one in the office I was a musician. Wow. So, so when you say that, so, so I'm assuming that you had your own home studio. No. So I I recorded the entire album at. So I remember I said that my friends went to music college, I went to university. Right. We remained obviously in good contact. Mm -hmm. So I would leave work, rehearse at Trinity, because they were still there, Trinity Music School in London, mm -hmm. uh, and then record the album at Snap Studios in North London. So, but again, I recorded an album. You know what I mean? Let's like, let's, uh, we, <laughs> okay, need, okay. We, we need to get into that because it's like, you know, I would say as well, it's like, that's a slightly different energy yes. than what um, most maybe even session musicians yes. are used to. Or even a lot of, it's just like, what made you decide, I want to make my, my own, own album? Mm -hmm. I wanted to, mm -hmm. and was this instrumental? Was it, like, it was, was, you know, it was instrumental. So yeah, like, I, 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 I had, I was able to notice what people and watch what people are doing in the industry without being in there. Right. And I knew that what would probably drive me insane is having to one not use all the skills that I've kind of been honing for like you know 10 
12 years now mm-hmm. in terms of ability on the piano mm-hmm. uh, and having a limitations on my creativity right. and on top of that putting my 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 prospects in the hands of someone else right right in a, in a, it's a weird way to look at it but i knew that if i was going to come out and, and do music fully mm-hmm. i i couldn't just wait for a phone call. right yes I, I had to take the the power into my my own hands and i've been playing so much and been gigging so much just getting my chops together i knew huh I could do this on piano and be, just do instrumental stuff. Right, right, right. So okay, so 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 yeah. They, but that's great. You decided to create something. Yeah. Rather than just like look for somebody to give you a gig. Yeah, yeah. So you were, and, and I'm assuming, I'm assuming this was a jazz jazz album. This is a, this was a jazz jazz album, basically instrumental jazz instrumental album. jazz album. <laughs> but that's interesting, you know, because that's like I said, it's like people people have different influences and different things that shape sure. their kind of decisions or shape the path their path and, sure. like, and i imagine as you were listening to various jazz yeah, albums exactly as exactly. Going through you, were, you must have thought to yourself hey do you know what I'll, i wouldn't yeah, mind yeah, making exactly something like this exactly too. So, exactly all right, so, if i go back on my last point that's probably the biggest motivating factor really right. truly is that like just to, to listen to someone's body of work yeah and have such a like an appreciation of that and it lives longer than they do like the legacy. So you're thinking to yourself, yeah, I could be an Oscar Peterson. I, I could be I a McCoy Town. Yeah, I could be a Herbie I, I, in, fuck- in a real arrogant way. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> I, I know that I have the chops. I like. I know yeah. I have the chops and I've practiced enough. And Yeah. Um, but that's the path. You shoot for the moon. You, you shoot for the moon. And it really was a shot for the moon because like out of nowhere, I was just like, yeah, guys, come down to my album launch at Forge in Camden. It shut down. And I don't know if you've ever been to the Forge in Camden. Um, the name sounds it sounds familiar. familiar but it's like it's like a 350 cap venue okay um and <laughs> i send out I, I, we put together a little bit of promo for it send it out there was a tube strike on that day in london on my album launch day better days ahead and i was like well that's it i'm fucked <laughs> wow wow but man we sold that place out wow and people were getting turned away at the door and that was the first time i i i noticed or knew like how much of a support network I'd built in London. I didn't, I had no idea. It was the first time I'd ever brought anyone together, a group of people together. So how were you, so obviously you somehow yeah. managed to be making a record as yeah. well as working a job. Yeah. I'm assuming in the evening. So you were going in, I imagine you were writing material, writing tunes, doing uh-huh, whatever. Uh-huh. Um, All after work. Playing with other musicians and, you know, yeah. yep. So, okay, creating this music, making this music, mm-hmm. you know, um, D- was it digital? Like we're using like t- you know, take Pro Tools, Logic, yeah, like, uh, tools, analog, tools, like- uh, analog. We used. It. I was particular about the sound. So Snap, I told Snap the studio because it has a Neve desk, mm-hmm. and they tend to be very warm. Right, right, versus right. like your SSLs. Or- so was it like a three piece? Uh, it was a five piece. Five so piece. Okay. Bass, drums, keys, me. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, six piece and three horns. Okay. Oh, yeah. Dope. I'd have to give you a copy. I'd love to. Yeah. Yes. Man. I'd have to give you a copy. <laughs> yeah. Both of them. <laughs> Great. So okay. So you so you made this record. You made this record. How long did that take you? That took me. Uh, I started it in 2014, mm-hmm. uh, and it came out sept- uh, August 6th, 2015. Um, so about a year and a half. Wow. Okay. And I think the craziest thing that happened to me is that when I released it. Um, and it reached the digital platforms. I'd sent out like a WhatsApp blast, like, hey guys, just dropped an album. Um, I'd love for you to support. And then it went number three in the jazz charts. Wow, wow. <laughs> I'll show you on my screen show. Oh number my three God. in the jazz charts. And um, I was just like, what the fuck is going on? But that must have been like, just to be like, I'm just think I'm just imagining like, what I'm thinking about, like what I can't get past, I'm imagining you like, Doing this job, uh-huh. imagining wearing a suit and tie and shoes exactly, yep, a, a yep, day, yep. you know what I'm saying, coming back in the evenings uh-huh. and putting your time and your heart into something that you wanted to create and uh-huh. wanted to build. And, uh-huh. you know, that must have been highly motivating uh-huh. in that period. It must have been really exciting Very. to be kind of creating this mm-hmm. and to kind of just even, I know how to just to have a body of work mm-hmm. is such an amazing feeling. Yeah. So, um, yeah. It, it was crazy. Wow. It was like, and I think when you, is it similar to how you when you remember when you said earlier that like when you're practicing at home no one really sees and then yeah, you, yeah, for the yeah. one time you play out and people are like yo you're really good yeah it was a very similar feeling it was like I created this project didn't really know what was going gonna go on or mm. after it I knew there was no promo plan there was nothing yeah yeah just kind of brought it out tweeted all my uh, text all my friends like hey guys love you for, to support and and then it just 
went crazy. So, so organics, <laughs> you just made it. How did you start? Let like, how did you let people know about it? How did you share it? How did you like? So what did you do? I'm telling you, look, I show you. Look, look at the Insta post. That <laughs> this was this was now 2015. Wow. Um, wow. That was 2015. I literally, I'm telling you, I had at the time I maybe had like 300, 400 followers. Wow. But these were like people that really fucking fucked with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Heavy. Yeah. So it was like, I was just like, oh my God. Um, it was but, crazy. But then, but the, the good thing is, I guess like in real world terms, 2015, that's that's not long ago. That's no, like, it's for, not. to me, when I think about that, like that sounds like yesterday. Because like, because so you're still like, you did that. That's the time. It's a digital time. So Instagram existed. Yes, Facebook yeah, existed. Yeah, yeah. All Twitter funny. existed. Yep, yeah, all yeah. these things existed. 100%. So, so you made this record and I guess that you knew that you could at least let people know that you'd made this record yeah, yeah. on those platforms. Yeah, yeah. And even, yeah, that even that is like, that's a special thing. That's mm. something that's really unique to like this kind of time and mm-hmm. this type of kind of this this generation or this era in music. Yeah. You can't do that. You don't necessarily need anything in particular. You can make something and just say, hey, I made it. I made this. it. It's like, <laughs> it's like, hey guys, yeah. you might fuck with it, you yeah. might not, but I made it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. for whatever respective following you have, like people will see it and yeah, they'll yeah. choose whether to support it or, or whether to not. But it's an interesting time, like you said, is that we now have a level of control to do that. Right. And it, it, now with technology, it doesn't take a massive amount of money to do that. Right. Um, How much did it cost you to make your record? Five grand. Each, each, five grand. each, each okay. album cost me about five grand to release. Interesting. Um, Interesting. That's just like recording, mixing, right. um, sorting out my musicians. So those costs basically were... I could say so. You were you paid for studio time, studio time, musicians, mixing, mixing, musicians, mm-hmm. uh, and then like I I have another thing where I dr- I usually dry hire venues. Mm-hmm. So for the album launch, I dry hired the Forge, mm-hmm. basically front loaded the cost, and then just recouped it back all in tickets. Wow! So I didn't there because there was no promoters gonna fuck with someone. <laughs> so wait a second. So this was your own money. This is all my own cash, and luckily that's why finance was great because I was literally just like funneling, funneling all of the cash that I was making in. Yo, in but this is like even hearing this, that's so dope. Like, yeah. Invest in yourself, <laughs> fam. You, you know what I'm saying? Invest in yourself, <laughs> people. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? And it's like the funny thing is, it's like that's not a crazy amount of money. No, it is, it's sizable. It's, it, it's sizable, but it's just like you know, sometimes people are making money all the time, and they're just making their money, and they do. But people don't think about what to do with it. Yeah, just think, yeah. And I think to myself, like off the off the top of my head, I think to myself, what you just said—that's the cost of like an Apple Mac and a fucking interface. <laughs> Like, you know what I'm saying? In 2020, that 2020, is an Apple Mac, some Apple Care. Yeah, and Apple Care <laughs> and the fucking interface. And it's like, you know, but you took that money, you invested yeah. in yourself, yeah. you made a record. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the thing about a re- record is like, it's a, it's recorded. Yeah. It's there for yeah. posterity. Like, yeah. that might make you 100 pounds or a million pounds. Literally, you never know. You would never know. And this is the beautiful thing about music is that like, it may not it may not happen. Luckily, I was able to recoup because mm-hmm. of the shows that I did for that run. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if I don't, it might be my kids. It, like it could be, like it, you feel me? It yo, could be, it could yeah. be anything. I, was, I, I'll tell you a story. Like I met my drummer who played on that album, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> and he five years later just signed up to PRS. Mm-hmm. Just and I was like, oh, I hope you registered because I put you on there. He's like, yeah. And I was really surprised to get some money from your project. I was like, bro, this is how the <laughs> that's industry, what it's for. This, yeah. That's what it works, and this is what how the industry works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just always think that it's like a, you know. The recorded piece of work is something that's so important because mm. it's like people don't really understand it or the people forget that it's like it's not just this moment. You never know. Like I look at it in terms of like think of something like hip hop. Yeah. You know, where um hip hop was um originally a lot of it, when sampling became a big thing, it was really about people finding rare and interesting pieces of music that yeah. maybe weren't so known. Yeah. And kind of turning them into something else, and making and and you might you you know you record something, you put it out there. You just it's don't like, know. You never know. You've shared it. You've mm-hmm. put your heart mm-hmm. and soul mm-hmm. into it. It's out there. Mm-hmm. You may save a life. You know what I mean. You might fucking touch somebody, inspire somebody. Honestly, you might. By the same token, and it might be something that five years time gets picked up in a movie yeah. and brings yeah. you a bunch of money you ain't know about. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. might get you. You just never know. But that's the beauty of actually. Um, 
creating a body of work, yeah. actually finishing something. Yeah. Because I, I, everybody got, yeah, I got a project. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm working on, on my way, project. Oh, 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I've been working on this project. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and cast up like, they'll never complete it. Yeah. Like, or, or what I find a lot in, 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 the, in London, and especially with like musicians that I've seen that's tried to maybe emulate the same journey, mm. is that they always just bring out one project. Yes. And it's like their project and that's it. And then they just usually probably just fall back into sessioning or right um, right but yeah i i knew that if i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do it like i'm i'm gonna back it and it's not obviously it's not always easy i won't tell i won't lie to you it's a, right it's, it's not easy and but like what you said some of the messages i wrote a song called victoria mm-hmm. um and it was written after my grandma who passed away mm-hmm. and uh, i wasn't able to make the funeral at the time mm-hmm. so i wrote this piece called victoria for, in, in honor of her mm-hmm. and i released that in 2015 i probably say till this day i probably get a, a message a week maybe wow. a message every two weeks about victoria this song wow um and i'm just like in this small little space that i'm in is like just to be able to influence and, and and have people appreciate it mm, mm, mm. at this small little little level that i'm at and you can't put a price on that you really can't yeah really absolutely can't. absolutely so okay so so there you are 2015 2015 right. we dropped the album yeah, so you got the album drop it <laughs> yeah, yeah so but, so you there niji adelaide eh? right yeah. yeah and you there so you so you're already so that's so you stepped into the game essentially as, as an artist an artist uh-huh. a soloist a composer yeah, indeed um, you know so so, so 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 that's you so that's you 2015 that's me 2015 and you're and, and I'm, i imagine you're promoting the record promoting the record mm-hmm. i actually came to the states for three months Right. Okay. So I've always Why? Had, <laughs> good question. Mm. Who, who releases an album then decides to go to another country for three months? Mm. Uh, I've always loved New York. Mm-hmm. I've always loved New York. It's always been a city that I've always thought I'd love to be in. Mm-hmm. And at the time, obviously, I'm, I don't know the industry, so I'm doing everything in real time. So I'm just like, oh shit. Okay, I've released an album. I need to like play it places, and I I need to go on tour. It's like yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was like, okay, cool, great. I've done the album launch, and then uh, okay, I'm gonna go to America. And so I went to landed in New York. Uh, and that's when I was umming and ahhing am I going to quit and then I ended up quitting well they said come back whenever you like until this day they still leave an open door whenever <laughs> so this was your job uh, uh, at Bloomberg yeah. yeah at Bloomberg so you was still had a job I still wow, had a job wow <laughs> still you got a job I still, I still had a job I still had a job wow and when it released uh, two days before it released they found the link to my album launch mm-hmm. <laughs> online and it was like wait what yeah 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 and anyway so i had a manager who was really supportive and he was like well if you're going to be in new york at the time i felt like i wanted to move over here fully mm-hmm. uh he, just pause me so you had a how did you get that manager who who was that oh no that's the manager at my work oh, man, okay, oh okay, the okay, manager okay, at my okay, work yeah, yeah, so. um, <laughs> and he was just like look just say like because i was thinking maybe i could still move with work and just mm-hmm. be based in new york mm-hmm. and he was just like just say like your, your auntie passed away in, 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 in America and you have to be there. He, he really wanted to help me just fulfill this dream that I had in my head. Right. But I was just like, you know what? I feel like I've been, I want to take the plunge. Mm-hmm. So I came over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I did a, a showcase in New York. Mm-hmm. Again, self-finance? Self-finance at Rockwood Music Hall. Okay, so just same, Really, really intimate. Same thing. So you, Just hustling on my emails because yeah. I'm, I'm coming from corporate, so I know how to write a good email. Right, right, right. So you same thing. Hey, I got this record. I, Literally. I'd love to play I, it. I'd love to play it for you. <laughs> Literally. That, I don't know who's going to turn up, but I'd love right. to play it. And so we did the showcase in New York. Mm-hmm. And then I just, while I was here. That I, takes a lot of guts, guts by the I, way. But my, should I tell That's you my cojones, last, my, my first performance? <laughs> should I tell you my first performance outside of the UK yeah. uh, as a solo artist? Okay, I went to Village Underground because that's <laughs> where everyone goes. Right, right, right. These times, I've got one song on the album that I sing. Mm-hmm. I hadn't really been singing a long time, uh-huh. but at that age, I was just so full, so fearless, mm-hmm. full of energy. I was like, All right, I'm gonna try this song mm-hmm. in Village Underground. And that was my first performance in America. Wow. And if anyone's listening, if you don't know what the Village Underground was, Ron Grant, he used to run this really famous night um, called Ron Grant and Friends where you'd have everyone and anyone who's a musician, artist, actors come down there and it's just like a melting pot for New York musicians and yeah. anyone that's in town. Uh, and that was my first performance. And then the next one, I booked a room at Rockwood Music Hall wow. and played it. And, and then I spent three months in America. Wow, these are legendary spots, man. I mean, I know, it's like, I know. It's, like, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it, it's ridiculous <laughs> actually saying it out loud. It's like a, at the time I was 20, uh, I was 23. 
yeah, yeah. Yeah, 22, 23. Wow. wow. Just like absolute balls, bro. Because as an adult, I don't think I'll go, if it Village was still on, I don't think I'll do it now. It's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you need that energy yeah, sometimes. You, do, you know you what I'm do, saying? You, you really, do. really do. And again, it's like, I think that that kind of like just doing it and just mm. stepping out and just showing up is like, that's something that um, there needs to be more of all the time because that a lot of time that's half the fucking battle. It is just actually, and it, but I, I, I love the fact that you just you saw like, yo, I want to do that. <laughs> Let me go do. It. It's like if you know, it's, it's, it's so blasé. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's great. Like why try out for Accurate Stanley? Try out for Man U, exactly. right? Like fucking, it's like just ride, just ride the luck. You don't yeah. know. You've been doing it so far already. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so then I spent three three months in the states just traveling around, playing where I could. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I did Nola. LA, I played at a place called Blue Well, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and then at the f- end of the three months, I'd exhausted all my cash at that point. Uh huh. So were you? So in regards to obviously you were financing this, Everything but, I, but was, I imagine that there were like ticket prices on the doors. So t- were ticket you, ticket were you prices kind of only it? in only in New York. So okay. I hadn't I hadn't broken even fully yet. Right. It took me coming back to the UK and continue playing. Mm-hmm. And continue playing the album in the UK. Mm-hmm. So that was September, and then I came back to London in November, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then uh, this is November 2015. Now mm-hmm. we're in. So then between November 2015 and the summer of 2016, mm-hmm. uh, I played Pizza Express booked me to play there. Mm-hmm. I did a, a local theatre in my neighbourhood in Barking, mm-hmm. East London, and played another show there. Uh, Elin Jazz Festival booked me to play their festival. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then I did a little UK tour. It's crazy. This wow. is actually crazy. I did a little <laughs> UK tour. It was London, Cardiff and Bath. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, and just played in little local spots, put tickets up and just got like a natural organic crowd from whoever would be there and how much I could promote on the way. Right, right, right. Um, and then once that, once I'd like started simmering on that album, which was crazy because it was only nine months old at that, the, the time. I was like, right, need to go on to the next one. Mm-hmm. I was just like, bro, like, chillax. Like, <laughs> but but um, then I, when I came back to the UK after I left uh, the States, um, Io, obviously my mentor, mm-hmm. uh, started putting more and more kind of gospel stuff and I obviously with the choir and he kind of took a big lunge with me in the summer of 2016. That's I, are, are you Oyerinde, Ace. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ace Music. Uh, and great musician also. Very great musician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, can you even just limit him to musician? He's just like... Just, just, a, just a great a, dude. Everything. <laughs> musician, yeah. father, photographer, videographer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just an absolute legend. No, next level. Uh, and in the summer of 2016, he gave me a big break by making me the musical director of the BBC Gospel Prom. Okay, okay. That year. I think I remember that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ginger played on that. Ginger you? played I on remember. that. Yeah, yeah. So there's me had no experience mm-hmm. of like touring at any great level, MDing at any great level. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, bro, I trust you. I feel I feel like you can do it. Mm-hmm. And in the band was Ginge, Gavin, mm-hmm. Curtis Cumberbatch, mm-hmm. Aaron Powell. Mm-hmm. I remember that show. Yeah. And it was a it was an incredible show and an incredible incredible time. Mm-hmm. And out of off the back of that, I then got more MD gigs. Mm-hmm. I did Muywa's next album launch. Who's that? Sorry, Muywa. 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 He's like a, a a Nigerian artist in in the UK. Okay. Okay. Um, and then Michelle Williams from Destiny's Child, mm-hmm. who she was the uh, narrator of the Gospel Prom show. Mm-hmm. And then in one of the rehearsals, she was like, uh, "Like, do you like is MD in your thing?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah." <laughs> Yeah, 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 man. Yeah, of course it is. What you think? <laughs> what do you think they put me? Yeah. Like, what do you it look? Don't it look like nothing? Yo, dog. You like, like this is Michelle? My... Really? Like, All right, honestly, come on. Like, is that even a question? Is the sky blue? Like, yeah. <laughs> literally, she pulled me into her little dresser. It was at uh, Maidavell. Was it at Maidavell? Yeah, I think it was at Maidavell. No, it wasn't at Maidavell. I can't remember it was, but one of these BBC spots that you're rehearsing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then she pulled me into the room. She's like, "Yeah, like, do you MD?" I was like. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. What's your number? And I was like, I gave her my number, and my email. Mm-hmm. We done the proms, mm-hmm. killed it. That was cool. I went away on that tour that I spoke about. Mm-hmm. And then I get this random email from Red Light Management, mm-hmm. and it said just Michelle Williams in the in the subject. I was like, what the fuck? Like, mm-hmm. so I opened it up. It was like, yeah, Michelle's giving us your contacts. She she's got some shows in London, and she'd love you to musical direct it. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting there like, yo, this is like. The third member of Destiny's Child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's definitely from Destiny's <laughs> Definitely about to MD Destiny's Child. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I must have called Ace. He was just like, yeah, bruv. Like, yeah. 
you've been summoned, bruv. Like, <laughs> you've been cool. This, this is, and and obviously you know you're a musical director. It's mm-hmm. like the responsibilities and the the mindset you have is completely different. Mm-hmm. We're still having a conversation about this from just being a keyboard player or being an artist. Oh yeah, it's a completely different mindset and a different set of skills. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And then with her, we ended up doing uh, Kensington Temple, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, <laughs> In that time, I wrote another album. <laughs> As you do. You know what I'm saying? Just like, yeah, let me just, uh, you know what? And Michelle, doing you is cool, but I kind of got to work on my own fucking album. Yeah, I'm so, I'm so just, super humble, but yeah. this is, I haven't told my story in a very long time, yeah, so it's yeah, quite yeah. crazy, actually. No, it's dope. Um, so we, 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 I get a good relationship with Michelle. She almost becomes like a good friend of mine mm-hmm. uh, and do her shows every time she comes to London. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is so we're in the end of 2016 now mm-hmm. and we do a New Year's Eve show with her into 2017 mm-hmm. uh, and over that Christmas period I'm I'm writing another album mm-hmm. and I go through this phase where like I've jumped into music and I'm seeing the reality of what it is to work in music mm-hmm. so sitting in the office you're only seeing what people do from the outside you're like a you're like a window shopper. Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> look at that. That office, dope. Yeah, crazy. Right, right, right. Yeah. And then you're then when you get into the game, mm. you're like, oh shit, you motherfuckers didn't tell me this is yeah. how. <laughs> yeah, but that's like that's that internet should be kind of fakery sometimes. But that's like when I remember when it first like, well, it probably wasn't. It probably just first to me. But I remember when this was before Instagram and Facebook was around, but Twitter was was real big and i remember like you know i I remember when i first got on twitter right and i'd be working with people and i'd look at their twitters and the musicians people i was working with and i'd be like oh oh wow this sounds dope and they come and i'd I'd come into (laughs) rehearsals and everybody was depressed and angry and i'm like yo what's popping and they're like oh you all these different issues they start telling me i'll be like Y'all motherfuckers look great, great. on Twitter. <laughs> look like y'all was having a time in your life. life right. And I was like, yo, and it just dawned to me like, yo, it's just, it's like the reality and what people present sometimes <laughs> is, well, it's always a different thing because nobody's going to tell you the, lows. the bad stuff. That's no, right. no, That's right. no one's going to tell you the lows. And I feel, I feel like in our industry, we kind of always have to put our best foot forward. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and not really maybe be as honest about the ups and downs of it. And it's yeah. not when you are after rehearsal or in having dinner after a rehearsal or after a show that you really get a sense of how when people are navigating through this industry. Absolutely, absolutely. Because it's not, it's not, um, I always said music business is very unforgiving. Right, right, you know right, right, it, right. And um, there's always a lot that goes on. And you need to really know really what's going on with people to have a real proper understanding of, yeah. you know, and even somebody can seem like that, you know, even, even, at the best of things, somebody can seem like they're having the time of their life and they might be really, you know, on one on one level, things are going great, but on another, they might just not be enjoying no, it. Yeah, yeah. They might be working a lot and making a lot of money and whatever. Yeah, they might yeah. hate the music yeah, they're playing. Yeah. They might hate the people that they're working with. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and people don't really understand that that matters. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? That that's very relevant. It's, it's greater than the instrument. And that's... Absolutely. And that's what I came to learn. And it's like, speaking to people that are on the road doing ridiculous stadiums and doing everything under the sun. Mm. But then when you, when you're in a room with them mm. and you're having these conversations, you and, and you're working as well and trying to find your sources of income and mm, mm. you really, we really get the nuts and bolts of it. So then that inspired my next album, which was just like called late nights and early mornings. Cause mm-hmm. that's what I was doing <laughs> at the time. It was literally stop title. Let's do <laughs> Just hustling. Yeah. Just like, trying to push the artistry but using being a musician to my advantage Mm -hmm. uh, and just trying to play as much as I could as well Mm -hmm. so I kind of jumped into it it's like I'm an artist woo yeah buddy yeah yeah. oh you need to make some cash as well bro right (laughs) right right right. yeah tell that to the mortgage right 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 right. don't worry about the money I'm an artist (laughs) don't worry next month I'll go yeah yeah <laughs> you know that you know that guy that never pays you back. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. no one next time. I got you next yeah, month. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Um, and just navigating through that, and and you you get people. I guess as well because you probably invested so much. Ex- exactly, invested also. so much, and then it was like, okay, cool. First album did cool, great, whatever. 
what do you do when you don't you can't put on a show because you put on three shows in the same city right in the in the space of six months right do you get me it's right like, right what do you do then as an artist do you have the luxury to have a publishing deal where they give you money and then you can sit on it and record it but if you don't and you're independent you have to find some some sources yeah yeah and for me luckily the MD picked up Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a skill that I never thought I could do but then I found that I could do it mm-hmm. uh, and then just people wanted me to play which was also great mm-hmm. but I knew that like I didn't come into this to just be like a, a money churning thing like it, it was greater than that because if I wanted yeah. to earn loads of cash you would stay in Bloomberg right <laughs> exactly exactly, yeah. exactly. Kept, I would have stayed in Bloomberg kept tightening up that tie <laughs> shining them shoes it's like, it's like, <laughs> yes up. sir yes sir yes. is that how you like it great alright I can yeah. do that for you yeah. um, so then it's inspired my next album uh, called Late Nights Early Mornings and then now we're into 2017 mm-hmm. um, I'm finishing up some stuff with Michelle at the time and then uh, at, at the same time, I'm applying for a, a visa, mm-hmm. uh, the artist visa, to come to America Why? at some point. So, 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 okay, so that's interesting. So, like, I'm kind of, first and foremost, that's everything you've told me already is amazing. It's like stuff I didn't know. So, it's great to kind of hear about all this. Yeah, but, I think uh, this is the longest conversation we'll have and probably we'll ever have in our yeah, lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's cherish <laughs> this. <now. laughs> But hey, it's, it's going down on record, so yeah, we can yeah. listen back. But that's kind of, you know, to be honest with you, that's kind of like the point of this because it's like um, there's a lot of people and I guess what we're finding, we all share so many com- commonalities, mm. you know what I mean? And it's mm. great to kind of explore that and really talk about that rather than just that kind of 45 minutes before rehearsals or after rehearsals yeah. uh, in the club when we're definitely a little bit lit. And yeah, all that. it's lit, nice that, to that, kind that's of like, awesome <laughs> New York. <laughs> definitely. So it's nice to explore that and kind of like understand all that. So, yeah. so what makes you then decide like, you know, why, why, this, why, why, why America? Why, why, America? Why, like, why did you, why did you think, oh, I need to get a visa to, to go to America? Like what, why? You know what? The first time I came to America, uh, well, not the first time, but one of the times I came to America, I met Michelle Osborne. Mm-hmm who for anyone listening is a, an incredible uh, bass guitar player who moved from London to New York mm-hmm. uh, and was always like the go-to person when you get into New York, you've got to touch base with Michelle. So I did. Mm-hmm. And I was just used to just like, you know, talk with I her. I remember when she first moved over, actually. There you go. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Um, and she always used to sp- talk so highly of like being in the States and playing in the States. Mm-hmm. And I had a, at the time of when I played Village, mm-hmm. Uh, is when I picked up my American mentor, mm-hmm. Shedrick Mitchell, mm-hmm. who's an organ player out, out here. He play, plays for a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, he was really, uh, he was really um, invested in my in my well-being mm-hmm. while I was here. Mm-hmm. And I used to tell him, yeah, maybe like this was 2016. I might, I, think, I feel like I might move over. And he's like, if you move over, like I've got you for work. And he's like, I'll stick you in a church somewhere, mm-hmm. at least get you all your bills paid and whatnot. So in the back of my head, when I came back to the UK, whole of 2016, I was like, okay, cool. Maybe I could come to America at some point. 2017, I get the visa. Just quickly, you just mentioned something there. Yeah. This is, you know, this is something that like... Um, Which also cost a lot, another mad expense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you said, he said, I'll stick you in a church to get you some money. So it's like, so when you say, so explain what that actually means. Okay, so, okay, so up until I moved to the States, I didn't know me playing organ was such a valuable skill. Right. And we're going to get into something crazy that I'm going to tell you at the end of it. Okay. okay. But, uh, uh, and, and, but an organ is different than playing keyboard. Com- too. Completely a different, different so, yeah. instrument, completely different approach. It has a lot of value. Uh, and especially as a British gospel musician coming to America in the right. heart of Brooklyn right. and trying to play like they do mm-hmm. and move people like the way the people that have been doing it all their lives move you. It's a very fine art. It's mm-hmm. not easy. Um, so, but he, I got some organ lessons with him and he could see that I can play. Mm-hmm. And he was like, if you come over, <clears throat> then we can definitely stick you. I've, I'm sure I can stick you in a church somewhere as and when it comes available. And and you get, and you get paid for playing in church. You do. And this is interesting. I, I guess this is on the record. Mm. I, I, what you get in America as an organ player, it, very few sessions will play, pay you that. Right, right. Because they cherish the organ so much. Right. And it's so vital to a the black church experience. Right. That the compensation is, is comparable for that. Um so for any organ player in in America, that's a good gig to have. Right. Um and then from there you can kind of dep out and do whatever you need to do, but at least you've got your core kind of sorted. So you can so this, so so basically 
without anything else, you knew that you could make a living yep. as an organ or piano player yep. playing in churches. Yep. You knew you could do that. I, could, I knew I could do that. And I, more on top of that, I knew that as as I've kind of, again, I trust my gut. Yeah. I can I can make shit happen. Like, yeah, I can make of course, it happen. of course. But I, I had a safety net of knowing that there was someone out there who was older than me uh, and believed in my talent and my ability to yeah. be like, if you do come, I've got you. And that's a key thing for anyone that's based in the UK versus the US. The UK does not have that infrastructure. Right. right. I know people that are playing the biggest of churches in the UK and are just about getting some jello fries and a patty. <laughs> <laughs> and a KA. Yeah. And it's a real thing. It's mm. a real thing. It's just the infrastructure is different. Right, right. So you decided, so when you decided you wanted to move to the States, you applied, you decided you need to get an O-1 visa? Need, I, need, I, knew, I knew I needed to get an O-1 visa through Michelle, mm -hmm. who told me I needed to get that. And, uh, you, and you based your application on you yeah, as a me, solo artist? Yeah, it was me as a solo artist, right, yeah. okay, great. Then I dropped uh, late nights, early mornings, April 21st, 2017. Mm -hmm. And then from April till the end of the year, I was just solely in the States, mm -hmm. trying to find my feet. Mm -hmm. Literally trying to find my feet. Mm -hmm. uh, and then as I was trying to find my feet, I recorded the documentary called Late Nights, Early Mornings. Okay. okay. Uh, and then released that at the top of 2018. Okay. And was it was, what was the documentary about? That was about the whole process, about getting into music, people telling me how I should do it and they have no fucking idea what it is to operate in this. Mm. Um, my mindset around um, me and my family around that time, I was writing Late Nights, Early Mornings. Um, and so it just gives a real deeper dive into that. And then I, I did a showcase in New York and in London um, for the documentary. Um, 2019, about to finish the album cycle, and I get an email from the Royal Albert Hall um, saying uh, Moses Boyd, who's a who's a jazz artist in London, is mm -hmm. curating a batch of shows at the Royal Albert Hall, mm -hmm. and would love you to be have your, one of your shows at do a show at the Royal Albert Hall mm -hmm. in the Elga Room, which is a, a room inside the Royal Albert Hall. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was just like, fuck, this is crazy. <laughs> this is like my old show. Wow. Um, in the Royal Albert Hall. Uh, and it sold out. I don't like to put my barometer of success as like when you sell out a venue, but it was just pretty crazy for me that I could, that happened. Not even that I could do no, it, but that happened in itself. I think that, yeah, I think you have to appreciate those successes. Man, yeah, when, you do. And that value. And I think as well as I think when you're coming from a place where you put shows on yourself yeah you know what i'm saying yeah. out of your own pocket <laughs> it's true it's great to it's great for that to happen man and i think it's great for that to be celebrated totally you know um and then at the end of 2019 which brings us to basically now mm -hmm. um we're just ready to go again and i'm, I'm going about to record another record and, congratulations and now we're High sitting five here on that. yeah yeah sitting here in this chopping it up yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that's and so dope. now we're here and um i think by the time this comes out I would have announced something, which is another crazy thing in the States, but, um, and this is between me and you now in the mm. room, but um, <laughs> I always have a thing of the scene what's out there in the market. Mm -hmm. And randomly, MSG, the uh, Madison, Square Garden, Madison Square Garden put up an ad saying that they needed a new organ player mm -hmm. um, for the New York Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit. Okay. <laughs> and so and so I'm I'm looking at this the details of this. It was like, yeah, we need an organ player and uh we need uh, you know, someone to like trigger sounds. I'm just like, this I can do this in my sleep. Like yeah, yeah, <laughs> if yeah. you've MD'd and having to do and play at the same time, this yeah. is, I can do this in my sleep. So I went down, this is literally November twenty nineteen. Wow, it's like yesterday. Yeah, like basically. yesterday. Like yesterday. I went down there, um, spoke to the guy Ray who's been doing it for 30 years we had a great conversation and I jumped up and played some stuff and he played me some stuff and I was just like man this this will be a great gig mm -hmm. uh, didn't hear nothing back for about a month and a half and uh -huh. then as I was preparing to sort out my visa in Brussels I get an email from MSG saying yeah uh, Ray's decided to um, make you the, the, the new organ player uh, wow <laughs> <the> new <Knicks>. <laughs> <So> <laughs> That's fucking crazy. <laughs> so oh, MSG, by, this, by the time this comes out, it would have been announced. But uh, wow, yeah, MSG, MSG is now like my backyard. So I got to find how I do that, my stuff, church, and some other stuff that I got my hands in. But 
Wow. Yeah. First and foremost, congratulations. <laughs> That's fucking you. great. Second and foremost, I definitely gonna need some Knicks tickets. <laughs> <laughs> like shit. Once I start, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I, got, I got my um, I'm shadowing my first game. I'm gonna shadow him for a few games just to get the flow uh, of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the 18th, uh-huh. and then I'm there again on the 22nd of January uh-huh. with the Lakers. Actually, LeBron's coming to town. Wow. Um, wow. And so yeah, once I start getting to the fuller flow of things, I'm sure I'll be able to sort something out. That's amazing, man. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> wow. So I mean, it's like. Everything to me, like looking at your journey, you've done so. It seems like you've been so proactive in oh, so many oh, different totally. ways and so many oh, different totally. times. And and even like something like that, it's like that's proactive. Do you know what I mean? That's not. That's like some. You know, some people might just sit around and wait for somebody to call them <laughs> for something or wait to hear about. Yeah. But that's like seeing something and being proactive. And that's just that's fantastic, man. That really, really is great. <laughs> thank you, thank yeah, you. So yeah. honestly, thank you. I think. Um, Living in New York means it just opens me up to a whole other world. It's like <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I think that it's such a. I think the states in general, such such a big place. And yeah, I think that, yeah. I mean, but even like what you just spoke about, like that's an amazing opportunity. That's an amazing vocation. That's right, something right, right. I imagine financially will be good. Too, yeah, it's consistent. Yeah, yeah. Just being able to like you know to do something like that. Mm-hmm, but, you mm-hmm. know, it's just like th- that's great. But you only kind of get things like that from being in position and being in place to do that right you ha- you literally and one there's only so much like, again you can plan ahead of time I never knew this would happen like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, it was just randomly stumbled, stumbling online but again it's like seeking your find isn't it like yeah absolutely um, and I, it's, it's, a th- it's something that like I, what musicians sometimes always say like sometimes people have like an attitude of like like I always think you have to prepare for success so it's sure. like you know, like say something like gear. I've always had a thing of like just have the best gear. Nice. Just get the best shit. <laughs> nice. and, and don't just get it. Know how to fucking use it. Use it, it. Yeah, yeah. Know yeah. know what to do with it. Yeah, if yeah. that's what your thing is, yeah. get it and know what to do with it. Yeah. And, and and that was kinda like that was one of the things that when I first was offered to do a session yeah. or was offered the opportunity. One of the reasons was because somebody knew that I was sick on an Axis virus. They just knew that oh, I knew the sick. virus inside out. They sick. knew I could pro- program analog and they needed somebody that could do that. Sick. But I'd already been like, and for me it was walking apart because I've been doing it every day, all day for three, go. four or five there years. But sometimes... I'll talk to musicians and I'll say, oh, do you have something, something? And they'll be like, oh, well, I can get it. I'm like, <laughs> Nigga, I can get it. Anybody, anybody <laughs> can get it. Anyone can get it. Yeah, do you have it, yeah, bro? Yeah, do you have it? Well, do you know what to do with yeah, it? Yeah, you know yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so it's like, so you have to actually have, you know, don't just have that attitude of like, oh, you know, if that and if that. And yeah. It's about, I think, like we said earlier, it's about being proactive, not yeah, reactive. And yeah. the fact that you already, you know, you already here. Yeah. You yeah. already got the visa. Yeah, yeah. You already <laughs> in position. So yeah, it's like, it's so you. So when the opportunity comes up, you're in position to exactly. take advantage of it. It's not like fucking you seeing that online. You know, it's like if you're in England with no fucking visa, no whatever, and you <laughs> see that opportunity, you can't do shit. No, you can't do nothing. And now what what it means now is that like, for example, you know, Stormzy's a UK artist. You're you're come over from the UK, and obviously our connection really stems from the UK. But obviously, yeah. it's been. Um, uh, or does it? Oh, does it? Because it's only in New York. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it, it, but it also, it just I means never that. seen you in England. That is true. <laughs> this is it. We never seen that. Is so true in England. So that is so like, true. So that is so crazy. It's 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 crazy that you're you're an English person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm an American. Yeah, but we never seen each other in England, and here we are working it, together on an the, English it, artist <laughs> in New York. York. It's crazy. Like it's, it's crazy. crazy so. uh, but I mean, that's just a, like a. A benefit of just like mutual respect, you know. Yes. It's like yes. before I'd met you, I've obviously heard about what you do with all of my friends mm-hmm. and, and and all of my friends that have worked with you for a long time. So, you know, it's, there's always that. I, I knew I was it was going to be fine, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I feel like in in New York, there's some opportunities. For example, like there is no music for sports in the U, in the UK from a from a keyboard that that just doesn't exist. Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. Um, but then the UK has great because maybe like in some ways they pay more It sometimes, you know, it's yeah. like, so it just depends on which way you want to look at it. You know, yeah. most of the biggest artists are British. It's like, yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Ed Sheeran, Adele is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. so we have that. And the set, the session world in London is, is massive mm. and, and, and the artist world is massive. And I just I now can benefit from having, one foot in each in each territory so let's get into that i mean this is just what you just said there was interesting to me you said that um you know you talked about obviously uk having some great artists yeah and the session scene being very buoyant yeah um and i find that obviously 
grass always seems greener. Yes. From yes. wherever you are. Yeah, that is um, true. And I think that, you know, a lot of people in England always talk about how great things are in America, whatever. But I think that, obviously, what I'd love to know is from your perspective, somebody that's actually yeah. lived and worked in both, mm-hmm. what would you say, what are your kind of experiences and what are your kind of thoughts on <sighs> that's a, the music industry or right, just working right. in, in New music. York and uh-huh. music here or versus the States? How, how do you find it? Oh, sorry, I mean, UK. In the UK. Yeah, yeah. What are the differences? You know what I feel. I'm gonna I'm gonna answer it in a, in a slightly a slightly nuanced way. I feel like in the UK we look up to the US as like our big brothers. Mm-hmm. But when I got on my feet on the ground here, I'm like, fuck that. It's like <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. And the reason why I say that is that like ah, I I feel we do a lot of things better mm, mm, mm. from a musical point of view, whether it be MDing, whether it be um arranging mm-hmm. um whether it be sounds organization i feel like we do a lot of things better in the uk mm-hmm. um however the us as a market is just so massive mm-hmm. a uk tour is like four or five dates yeah whereas like a us tour is like you can do 50 dates mm-hmm. <laughs> just because of the sheer size the sheer it's size so yeah. And with that comes a level of depth that you don't have in the UK. So I play jazz, right? Mm-hmm. And so, for example, I, there might be, I can probably string together like a 30-date tour on jazz alone mm-hmm. in the US. 30, 40-date mm-hmm. tour. Wow. Um, not As in, hypothetically, I could do that. Mm. In the UK, you wouldn't be able to do that. Mm-hmm. You'd have Europe on your doorstep, of course. Mm-hmm. But if we're just looking at UK versus US, you wouldn't be able to do that. So the, the US has a level of depth that, we don't have mm-hmm. in the UK. So um, what would you say, like now kind of living this kind of dual, mm. dual national lifestyle? Yeah, I hate you, I hate do you, you know what I'm saying? Understanding, Again, it's not but, always rosy. I don't want to no, paint that lifestyle. No, of course not. Of course not. But just sort of like, but just being in these two different cultures yeah. and whatnot, what would you say, um, wh- how would you say like, like you, you being an English man, so yeah, yeah. you've been an English person, um, and coming into New York, how do you find people perceive you? And does that give you any advantages or any sort of Ooh, things that, you know? Good question. Uh, definitely helps with the girls. Ah! <laughs> well, I'm nearly <laughs> off the market, so uh, not so much anymore. But yeah. um, from a musician's point of view, I feel like in the church world, mm. there was a bit like, can this guy play church? How yeah, we yeah. play church? Yeah, yeah. There was a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. And then I had to be like, yo, we play church in, in the UK. Don't ever get it twisted. Mm-hmm. You just don't see as many videos from us, but we be playing. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, One thing that I do love about the, the States is that like, if I came to you in a rehearsal in the UK and be like, yo, Kojo, man, I'm going to be a millionaire in about two weeks. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to be a millionaire in, a, in two years time. Mm-hmm. You're like, what is this nigga been smoking? <laughs> What is this guy been smoking I mean, like, before word. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, cool, <laughs> yeah, yeah, all right. Cool, yeah, cool, 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 cool. Yeah. Right, yeah, jump on the jump on the keyboard. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But over here is like, man, it's just no one caps your dreams, man. No, yeah. No yeah. one caps your dreams. No one caps your dreams. And in the UK, we're getting there, but I feel like there's there's some people just like like having glass ceilings, you know? Mm, in mm, whatever mm. industry it is. Um and uh, I just love, I resonate with more of like the American dream. That's yeah, sure. so you like the kind of aspirational entrepreneurial spirit. I'm all for it. I'm yeah, for I feel it. you. Well, I mean, you're an entrepreneur. I mean, as I'm saying, you, you know. Well, that's you, a, that's you, a big word, but I, I like taking risks. That's for sure. Well, yeah, but that's what I'm, I'm, what I'm saying. It's like everything you've said to me mm. so so far kind of indicates that you're a proactive, very, make shit very, happen type of person, very. which very much, it's a very American way of kind of thinking about things. So the fact that you ended up here doing that, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, it, I, and it doesn't stop. I'm only 27. so I'm, I'm <laughs> You're only 27? Yeah, it doesn't stop, man. Man, it's pissing me off. <laughs> now motherfuckers is young as fuck. Yeah. That's good. I mean, to already have done so much and be doing so much at such a young age is amazing, man. Thank you, man. That's great. That's Thank great. You. So, what's kind of like? So, what's next for you? What's the what's the future? What are you very, planning? That's a very good point. Um, uh, immediately, is the next record mm-hmm. is to bring out a third project. So, this will be album three. Album number three. Wow. Yeah. You know, ain't a lot of whole people to say that in life. No, man. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. And, it, and, it, and it's kind of crazy that I say it flippantly because it is such an amazing thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, definitely that. And for me now, like I've I've been able to do well. Mm-hmm. Um, 
now it's like how do we take it a notch up you know right, it's how do right. we take it to another level you know and and start doing everything just really official mm-hmm. really everything on paper mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know my next thing now is like i like to invest mm-hmm. right so you don't you can't invest if you don't have no cash mm-hmm. and you certainly can't invest if you don't have any cash on paper mm-hmm. so <laughs> 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 no you cannot so if anyone's tried to do anything with the bank mm-hmm. you know they they like things on paper so mm-hmm. my next two and a half years to 30 is really me um, building what I do um, to a stage where you know if I decide to come back to London and buy property you know mm-hmm. it'll, be, it'll be seamless for me mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. or seamless for me um, but for me at the end of the day it's like I, I feed my passions which is music mm-hmm. Uh, and I just try to take care of business at the same time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I just continue to do more of the same, man. My my motto is just do the work, bro. Like, I heard I don't, that. I heard that. I literally just get solely focused on doing the work. Mm-hmm. That's all I do. Mm-hmm. Fantastic, man. Fantastic. Well, listen, man. This has been like This awesome, has been man. crazy. I didn't yeah, know this yeah. was going to go this way, honestly. Nah, I mean, you know, who knew? Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> I mean, as I said, it's like for me, um, I'm just really trying to kind of it's just great for me to like. What about you? What's the, what's the what's what is the what does the next ten years look like for you? I feel like oh, we're talking this entire. I mean, just you know, you know, it ain't even about me. This okay, is the, the whole the whole point of this for me is it's just it's great to be able to chop it up with people sure. that I kind of know and work with. Mm-hmm. I appreciate their talents. I appreciate mm. their journeys, and mm-hmm. it's good for me to kind of learn more about it, find interest, you know, interest things about it and mm. commonalities and uh-huh. it's great to just share it with other people uh-huh. and it's yeah for me it's just like um it's just something i think was great to do i think that your story and what you've done is really inspiring i'm sure oh, lots of people it. will take a lot from it do you know what i mean and, I, I, um, I hope there's like enough highs and lows in there because that's that's you know life is like opportunity mixed with difficulty well, right it's just i mean it's just yeah and it's just all about the truth you know what I'm yeah saying? It's, yeah it's, it's, it's just the like, truth that's the that's the key thing, you know and i think that, i think that that's one of the things want to try and get across this podcast is just the truth about what it is to be a musician and I what musicians do and what me you know what everybody kind of mm-hmm. puts into it mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying so um yeah I, man i feel like uh I, ho- I hope that um yeah we just remove any caps that we have in our dreams man mm-hmm. like that's me is like fam yeah, don't put yeah. any there's no glass ceilings in this like there really is nothing yeah holding yeah. you back it's just you just kind of have to like do the work, bro. That's <laughs> oh, that's great, man. That's great. Well, look, I think we'll leave it there, man. So Thank I you, just this is great talking to you, Niji Adelaide. Yeah, spot on, right, bro. Right, right, right. It. I got it. Let's so, call me Niji. That's Niji. Cool. That's cool too. So um, already you've made two albums. I've made two albums. Yeah, right. better days ahead and late nights, early mornings. All right, so we'll put links to all that. And oh, whatnot that'll be great. In whatever format we put this all out in. You know well, hopefully we'll there. see if there's a third one out by the time this comes out. Third, but if not, okay, you've got okay. two links there. That's yeah, <laughs> great two albums. Okay, and you got a third one coming out, and yeah. I guess people can follow you on your socials. Sure, sure, you, sure. What, what do you? We'll put just, links to all that. Yeah, there, just put the links in Niji Adelaide. My my name's a bit of a tongue twister, so but uh-huh. usually you can type Niji and find me. All right, brother. Great talking. Thank to you, bro. This has been amazing. Like all the success with this, honestly, like. This is this has been enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. So it's like this is a great way to kind of rather than talk shit at the end of rehearsal. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's what I'm so saying? true because we literally great. spend exactly the same, <laughs> same amount of time, time just talking about Chick Fil A and talking shit. <laughs> just uh, like Dallas yo, BBQ. <laughs> yeah, who who does the best vegan burgers? <laughs> Where can I get the best frozen cocktail? Stupid shit. So it's great to kind of do that. And yeah, as I said, it's like if people listen to it and they kind of find interest in it, great. But other than that. I feel like we have a good time. Yeah, man. And yeah, yeah. and we're gonna go see this concert tonight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we are. What's the time? Oh yeah, six four. Oh, okay, yeah, it's quarter to seven. <laughs> All right, yeah. So Find dinner and go there, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So listen, bro. Talk, great talking to you. Pleasure. All right, and we'll catch up soon. Yes, sir. All right, please. Take care. Really hope you enjoyed listening to that conversation as much as we enjoyed having it. We're a new podcast. So please like, share, comment, let us know what you're thinking, let us know what you like, what you don't like, if you have any thoughts or ideas, people you think I should talk to, please feel free to let us know. In the next episode, I caught up with Kaz Rodriguez, drummer for Josh Groban, clinician and gold selling recording artist in his own right. His popular drumless albums 
are used by some of the most amazing drummers in the world. In what ended up being a fascinating double episode, we caught up on all things Kaz. Look out for it. Definitely not to be missed. Take care. Peace.